You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hi, everybody. This is Kristen Maxwell, and you are listening to your superpowered mind. Our guest today is a very has a very interesting program called the Family Recovery Solution, which is an online program that enrolls the family to overcome addiction. Now, we're going to be talking to Jeff Jones, who is an addiction counselor and a family recovery coach. And as I mentioned, he has created sort of an an unusual online family community. It's the familyrecoverysolution.com where families can have a community um, and get support as one of the members of their family is dealing with addiction and addiction recovery. So I'm excited to hear what Jeff has to say. Welcome to your superpowered mind. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Yes, well, the work you're doing is incredibly important. So my first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as a result of mastering your mind? Mm, yeah, great question. So um, in mastering my own mind, I mean, one of the first things is um, – that my mind is important from the standpoint of thinking, but um, left to its own devices, um, it can get pretty off track and feed me, quote unquote, fake news. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to me, mastering my mind means, you know, having a system or a resource to practice to be able to discern this, what I call fake news from, from what is real for me, like mm -hmm. my truth. And so the superpower for me personally is um, patience and acceptance and kind of coupled with that is um, both and thinking to be able to like be aware of what's happening in my head, what I'm calling fake news and actually be aware of another perspective perhaps. Uh, that is a crucial superpower, I would say. And when you say you have patience and acceptance, what do you mean? You have patience and acceptance for the thoughts, for yourself, for the situation? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so I, I think just automatically the person I am, it is easier for me to have patience and acceptance with others generally mm -hmm. um, than myself. However, if I don't have patience and acceptance for myself, um, then, you know, the patience and acceptance that I'm doing and being with others is is probably more habitual than genuine. Right. So say more about that, what that means, more habitual. Well, I think some people can have a, um, you know, just kind of um, a historic pattern of um, 
discounting themselves or their own perspective or their own opinion or their own feelings and putting the perspective or feelings of others in front of them. Mm -hmm. Got it. Thank you. And, you know, it's really interesting always to um, have these conversations about what our thoughts, what role they play in our lives. Because, I mean, I got to say, until I started learning about what our thoughts were, I completely lived by them without really acknowledging that I could maybe change what I was thinking or control it or discount it. And the one thing that I'm now working on now, which I love that my coach just said to me this week is to get comfortable with all the whole breadth of things. There is no right or wrong answer. You know, I could be all of a number of things could be true for me. Yeah. 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 I love that. And and so it kind of, you know, when I was, thing about your first question with superpowers, it brings me around to something else and I could frame it as a superpower for myself. And that would be just this kind of um, relentless curiosity about, um, you know, one, what's true for me, um, but also this curiosity about, um, what are the different perspectives that are out there Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to, you know, believing the first one that comes along or the first one that comes up in my mind. And let me tell you, my mind can, you know, has has an opinion (laughs) and um, can be pretty strong at times. So, you know, for me to be able to, understand that there's different perspectives and to be curious about them. So one of the things I did in like a past life or, you know, maybe 10 years ago or something (laughs) was divorce mediation. And so, you know, with every conflict, there's always another side. And I learned to be curious when I was listening to one person about what the other side of that conflict would be like. Wow. Yes, that would be definitely a place where you would uh, could get some two very different um, stories around the same same situation. And well, go ahead. Addiction in the family that happens all the time. Mm, right, right. And one of the things, and I really do want to start talking about what it is you do in the world because it's super interesting. But this is also a really helpful conversation because I do know that I. Um, when I really first started to get that I had a number of beliefs that were not helpful, that did not actually support what I, you know, who I wanted to be in the world and what I wanted, how I wanted to think about the world and to realize that I could actually try to, you know, I could pick different beliefs. Yeah. Uh, I, at first, when I first heard that, I thought that's ridiculous. (laughs) And... (laughs) And because I had strong opinions, but um, it really is true. It's not automatic. It's not easy, but you really can. So thank you for opening this up. So actually, now I really want to know, tell us about um, the FamilyRecoverySolution.com. Yeah, so um, 
Well, so this evolved over a three-year period, and I'll try to be you know, very concise with the sequence. But several years ago, I, after being a therapist and interventionist for a number of years, I saw over and over patterns that families didn't really understand what their role was in addiction. And oftentimes they would be using their same strategies as their loved one would, you know, go into some kind of treatment or start to become sober. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that was a problem because the way they interacted with their loved one, if they did it in the same way, those conditions kind of um, can contribute to creating an environment in the family that is hospitable to active addiction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I saw that family members didn't really understand their role. And then what I did is I created a three-phase program. Um, it's recognize, resource, realize or the three different stages and then I put the whole thing online about a year and a half ago and wrapped a very user-friendly community around it meaning people can come in confidentially and get resources they can there's two community chats they can connect with other people it isn't like all communication needs to go through me mm-hmm. but two hours a week I'm Um, in a community chat and um, can engage with whoever wants to ask questions and engage. So Wednesday is I come in with a topic and then we can start a discussion and different people can talk about their experiences with it or ask questions. But someone who's just listening early on and isn't quite ready to engage in the conversation they can send a private message to someone who is and say hey i'd like to talk with you tomorrow at eight o'clock and so there's six different chat rooms wow the community this isn't like a facebook group or something where everybody can see who everyone else is this is a an anonymous space wow that that's a great and i can't wait to hear more because i'm really um, I, I don't know if there's much awareness about how the way the family interacts can help, um, you know, contribute with the, the pattern maybe of addiction. But we do have to take a break first. Um, so when we come back, I want to go a little bit more in how you can, um, you know, enroll the family to overcome addiction and help to, you know, give them some support. Uh, before we go, to, can you tell listeners where they could find out more about um, your program? Yes. So my website is www.thefamilyrecoverysolution.com. And if they go to the section that says four families, there's a video at the top of the page that goes into some detail about um, the the very first step of the recognized phase, which I call the spotlight diagram. So, yeah. Wow. That's great. Okay. Um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about 
um, enrolling the family to overcome addiction. Stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we are back and we are talking to Jeff Jones about his online community, the family recovery solution.com. And I one of the things I noticed um is you talked about uh, on your websites that sometimes the ramifications of addiction can be passed down to subsequent generations. Mm-hmm. What, can you explain a little bit more about that? Just, you know, just quickly and generally. What? Yeah, well, quickly and generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so come probably, on. You know, probably the easiest, I'm like, I'm raising my hand there with that question. So when I was a child of like seven, eight, nine years old, my mom and dad would take my sister and I to Kentucky Lake um, to see my grandfather. And um, my, my grandfather was, you know, he showered more love and attention upon me than anybody in my whole life, which w- was wonderful. And I thought it was about me personally, and it was really more about my gender But at that time, I didn't really understand that he was the alcoholic in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what I understood is that I got all this love and attention. And like I would be out in his front yard shooting arrows and he would come out and, you know, say, hey, good shot, Jeff. That was great. And And it's like I loved my grandfather. It was amazing. But I didn't really understand that, you know, the trauma that was between my grandfather and my mother, and I didn't understand my mom's like coping mechanisms that she used because she never really dealt with that trauma at all in her life. And then me growing up in a family that, you know, she was the main person in the family. She ran the family. It was traditional thing. My dad brought Mm -hmm. in all the money. My mom raised the the kids, but she created this structure called the spotlight diagram that I just talked about. So I grew up in that kind of environment and my mom's coping mechanisms, I learned very, very well. And it really, it wasn't until I was, um, I became a therapist in 2006 and Um, I learned more about what was going on in the family at that time. And it's like I saw more of my own coping mechanisms. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, you know, like addiction in the family was not a a big thing for me. And it's 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 like I I saw all, all this these distortions that I had lived by and I'm going, oh, my God 
you know, can something be done to where people can recognize this sooner to where they can start some kind of healing process earlier than 40 some years, like what I so. Right. Yes, that's really interesting. So you're saying that the way your mother raised you and then the beliefs you had maybe about the world and yourself were really, really shaped by the fact that her father had been an alcoholic and it was never talked about or recognized. Yeah, so there's a number of different ways to look at it. The um, psycho psychobabble kind of language mm-hmm. term there would be intergenerational transmission of you know, my grandfather passing to me the role of carrying the grief and pain for the family. Uh, and okay. um, I, and you know, what do people do with grief and pain, especially that's not their own? It's like, guess what? Hey, this alcohol or drugs, bingo. I, I mean, alcohol and drugs, they're a solution. You, you know, they're not a problem. They're more of a solution for the individual. Granted, mm-hmm. you know, long term, that solution can end up being problematic, eventually harmful, and, and can eventually kill people and does, mm-hmm. you know, but it starts out as a solution. Like it seems like it's a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to step back a little bit. And why is it important for families to um, receive support? I mean, just overall and be involved in the addiction recovery process. Yeah. Great. Thank you for that question. So um, traditionally, traditional thinking is pretty myopic, you know, focused on one person. And, you know, even the definition of addiction is it's a, you know, chronic brain disease. And so, so that's pretty myopic. That's re- really quite focused. And so for family members that were to Google addiction and learn that, and pretty much every national organization has that as a part of their definition, um, you know, that it's, it's easy for family members to think, um, well, you know, they just need to get their brain fixed. They just need to get fixed. And we, the family, were fine. And in reality, they have been dealing with impact. So their nervous system has been activated for a long period of time or however long. And different people in the family come up with different strategies. And it isn't like a conscious thing, but Mm -hmm. it's more like um, everybody is doing their best to kind of cope with what's happening outside of them i.e. the addiction in the family and whatever else is going on um, that's potentially chaotic or secrets. Um, And it's also a way to cope internally with one's own nervous system, the impact. It's also a strategy to stay connected as a family. And it's a strategy to compensate for you know, this addiction thing and addiction is a slow, gradual process. And it starts out um, as, you know, fun or pleasurable. um, Or as I said before, it's a solution to something. But then slowly, incrementally, it, it gets worse. It changes over time. And it's and it's really hard to be aware 
of one, the incremental changes with the addiction, but also the incremental changes to family members of the impact. And that impact creates a certain structure in, mm-hmm. in the family. And the structure is different roles. And I go into that in the video that I shared um, earlier with uh, the family recovery solution.com and clicking on families and the video there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, so it's different. It's like both and thinking because traditional thinking is just get the individual with addiction fixed, get them into treatment. And yes, of course that needs to happen, especially if the addiction is at a, chaos stage, dangerous, harmful. Um, Of course, that needs to happen. You know, so what I have here online is early on families can learn about it, engage in the community, start to learn about addiction before it gets to be a big problem. So that's more of like a, a, a way to use it in the preventative stage and then also it can be used as a complement to all addiction treatment services out there, even addiction treatment services that have a family program, because the family program is like a weekend or even if, if it's a week, you know, I like change is a process and it, and it takes time. And so it's a way to engage with like-minded people you know, if people want to, they can get like an accountability buddy kind of thing. They they can be reminded of, you know, um, different ways to look at their situation um, and they can talk about their situation. Right. So, in a chat. so it sounds to me like the the purpose is that the family members, first of all, get support for themselves because they have been put, you know, they've been dealing with the stress of living with an addict, so they can um, help themselves to heal. And then also that they get, um, do they get support around helping to um, support the, you know, the addict's treatment recovery, so that they learn different ways of being, you know, and interacting. Okay. So yeah, it's yeah. to take care of themselves and also to help with the with the process of overcoming the addiction. Um, Maybe. Yeah. So what the family can do, they can engage in a process of change before their loved one has even stopped using, and so they can start to change the structure from what I call the spotlight diagram to like the matrix of health. So there's like a visual image with the two that. I don't want to get into, but right. learn about on online. But it's like when family members engage in really looking through a new lens to see their family situation differently than how they have been, they're going to come up with some aha moments. And then the next step is what do those aha moments mean to them? And what can they do differently in their communication, in their relationship, in the way they structure the family? So, so, so let me see. So what do you mean by like an aha moments? 
what kind of things can they realize, you know, about the situation? Can you give an example? Yeah, yeah. So, um, boy, an aha moment. So there is a role. So let me get into the spotlight diagram. If someone just has a piece of paper and in the middle of it, they draw a circle about the size of their fist. Mm -hmm. And then um, at one o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, put lines out there with small circles at the end of each one. And then at about seven o'clock, a circle that's kind of snuggled up to Mm -hmm. the big circle in the middle. And then at 10 o'clock, a couple inches off to the side, a circle there with no lines. So that's the spotlight diagram. That's the basic structure that happens in a family with a lot of anxiety and stress and and really everybody trying to cope with it the very best they can. So that's the structure. An aha moment could be when someone in one of those roles sees what they've been doing. And so like one person can go from one role to another role to another role. So mm-hmm. there's one role like similar behaviors, but um, not the same problematic outcome. So, you know, a couple when they were in college, maybe they drank together. And then at some point, the partner, w- w- one partner was like, wow, you know, um, my partner has an alcohol problem and we're drinking the exact same amount, you know, but I don't have the same kind of problem. And so that's one role, like another Mm -hmm. role could be not talking about it. So, you know, maybe they decide to not talk about it. Another role is um, the opposite of that, talking about it, but doing so in in a very sharp, judgmental. right. So the aha moment is when they see kind of how these roles kind of fit together and everybody's really trying to do their best. And they think back like they like I talk about this in behavioral language. I don't use labels. That's not really helpful to invite families in to, you know, look through a new lens. And there's plenty of labels out there and there's good information out there. But those labels are not inviting. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've combined, like I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of my mentors here, but I framed this in um, a different way and um, a way where people can kind of see what's going on. And for some people, they're going to be able to make changes right then. Mm-hmm. And the more changes that and the more people who are making changes in the family, that structure is naturally going to change. So not every, I'm, I mean, online, I have like um, a membership level one, two, and three, and, a, and not everyone is going to need that or mm-hmm. want that, you know? And so some people just looking through a new lens especially if the addiction is not really progressed and they haven't been dealing with this for the last 10 years or something, um, they can make changes early. And when they do, it's like they create conditions in the family that are inhospitable to active addiction. So that's what I'm trying to do here. 
Got it. Yes. So when people, and I'm sure I'm butchering this, but when they stop being in the roles that, that maybe inadvertently supported the addiction, they can change. It changes. Yeah. Just the way the whole family works together. That's, that's right. um, And probably it sounds like you also acknowledge um, the individual stress themselves, be, you know, and the, yeah. the stress yeah. that they have been because of the addiction at whatever stage it is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the, the whole idea here where this whole program is going is kind of um, first, how do we want to be a family together? How do we want to connect? And so the matrix of health is like six circles all the same size. And from every circle, there's a line to the other circle, if you can imagine Mm -hmm. what what that looks like. And the lines are communication. And it isn't like there's an expectation we're all going to, you know, come out singing Kumbaya together or something. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's more like the communication is out front. And with one person, I may have a long history of trust and support and with someone else in my family, not so much. And I may need to draw a boundary with them where they may need to draw a boundary with me, but it's out front. We're, we're clear about it. Mm-hmm. And with families that have addiction, like the family I grew up in, there's things that aren't talked about at all. Or one person says one thing, to one per to another family member and then they're talking to someone else and they say something totally different and there's all kinds of confusing communication and every one of those roles that i described earlier they're all like imagining the thoughts and feelings of people in the other roles and instead of checking out their thoughts and feelings and with like a reality check kind of thing. They assume that's true and they act on that. And everybody is doing that. And mm-hmm. it's a survival stance kind of right. thing. Right, right. Nobody's actually talking about what's what's happening. Exactly, um, yeah. But it's still going on. Wow. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time. I guess my question is, is if there's somebody who, um, you know, who's listening who maybe has somebody and their family who was at some, you know, that they're concerned about is addicted or um, is actually getting treatment for addiction, or even they're really worried that they're um, addicted to something but are not getting treatment, what, what can they do? What would you recommend? You know, can they come check you out or what's... Uh... Sure. Well, um, so the online deep community is probably the easiest and most economical. I mean, it's like 50 bucks a month and people pay for three months at a time. So that's like $150. And maybe that's a little bit more than one counseling session kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And so they get a username and password and they can share that with everybody in the family. And, And they have three months to do so kind of thing. Um, and every week there's two community chats. So that's, um, time when they can get in the community chat and ask a question about what's going on, you know, and it, it could be like, how do I, 
um, decide upon an interventionist. So there's a couple different intervention models. So that could be a topic in a community chat, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, um, or like, have you ever tried the um, tough love approach kind of thing? Um, I'm not a big fan of that, but I'm, I'm just throwing out topics that, you know, people could bring into the chat and hear other people talk about them. So the Wednesday night chats are, are that I have are recorded, and the, and um, it's I bring a topic, um, and the Thursday or the Friday night chats are frequently asked Fridays, and they're not recorded. So mm-hmm. um, people can show up with questions and. Um, you know, they can talk to one another. There's different chat rooms there. Actually, there's one chat room that they can lock the door behind them kind of thing. So people just signing up for the community, they're learning trust building. They don't know it, but they're learning trust building with the community. They're learning communication skills. They're learning boundaries. They're learning conflict resolution skills. Just in the community, all of those things they can integrate into their own family whenever they see appropriate. Mm, wow. I, I, we really actually are out of time, but I, want to, I do one thing I don't understand. What's the difference between, or is this very similar to what Al-Anon does? What is Al-Anon? Yeah, so Al- Al-Anon actually is a great program. Um, I know people that go to Al-Anon and if they stay in Al-Anon, um, their life will change. Um, and generally it's one person in the, fa- in the family that'll go to Al-Anon. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that I've known that I've suggested Al-Anon and even over a year and a half or something and they don't go or they go when they're on vacation because they don't want to be seen by anybody else. And then, and I've heard this verbatim, Jeff, don't ask me about that Al-Anon thing anymore because I was on vacation. I went to a meeting. It's not for me. I, I already decided. So Al-Anon is a good program, but what I'm doing that's different is there is potential for everybody in the family to start to make change and for the family to heal together as a family unit and have a plan together kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And that, you know, I don't have a strong background with Al-Anon, but my sense is that's not really a part of what Al-Anon does. Got it. And then it also sounds like um, for those who are really concerned about confidentiality and anonymity, they, um, your program. Okay. Well, thank you. That, that helps to clarify um, what, what the difference is. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jeff. And uh, you know, there's our, our community definitely has a problem with addictions of uh, all kinds. And, um, you know, protecting the family, helping the individuals of the family, and also helping um, those who are addicted to overcome is truly a noble pursuit. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Sure. And can you remind us again, the name 
of your website? Sure. It is www.thefamilyrecoverysolution.com. Great. Thank you. So thank you, listeners, all of you out there. Um, And if there are any of you out there who are having some questions or concerns in your own family around addiction, please, um, I urge you to um, look into some type of program that can give you some support. Um, And for between now and then and our next show, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and to transform your world. See you later. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 